Hallelujah. We're moving quickly this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. We thank God just for his presence. Amen. That we can declare to him his goodness and his mercy. Amen. Give me a little bit more on this mic. Amen. That we could declare his goodness and his mercy towards us. Many times, like I said, we take for granted what the Lord has done for us. And so I'm grateful that we have a house filled with grateful people this morning who are grateful for the little things. Amen? Because we know little becomes much in the Master's hands. Amen? Praise the Lord. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about shifting. Shifting. That God wants us to shift. This month of August is a very prophetic month. We've been talking about that. We opened up on August the 1st. On that Sunday, we spoke about God wants us to make a shift in our paradigm, amen, the way we do things. So we talk about shifting in our mind, shifting in our worship, shifting in our service, the way we, sh- the way, the way we um, serve, the way we give, the way we divulge our, our time. Then week two, Pastor Vernon came, amen, with a bat and ball, amen, and knocked the ball out the park, amen. She spoke about shifting, amen, in your faith, amen, because many times we can grow weary in well-doing, amen. But the Bible says, do not grow weary in well-doing, for you shall reap if you faint not, amen, that sometimes we believe God for things, we pray for things, and because we don't see that provision coming in the time that we were warned to come, many times we grow weary, we give up on God. We give up on faith. We give up on on believing God for the promise that he has laid aside for us. So she does such an excellent job in, in, in sharing that word. Then I came back, amen, the following week, and I spoke about a shift in prayer, amen, that we have to shift in prayer. We spoke about Daniel praying three times a day. We're in a time and a season where the one morning prayer, 15 minutes, ain't going to do it anymore. We need to pray two and three times a day. Amen. And we spoke about the ancient art of the daily office. Amen. The Bible says pray without ceasing. And so we spoke about how Christians in the past and monks and, and those who were in monasteries prayed constantly throughout their day. And as Christians, God wants us to pray constantly throughout our day. Amen. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. We have to keep ourselves prayed up because I could pray 7 o'clock in the morning and be in the spirit. By 10 o'clock, I'd be in the flesh. You know, so I have to constantly keep the mind of Christ. It will just take one thing to get you off. Come on, just that one thing. You all fine driving the car in the morning. You're on the highway. You sing your praise song. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. And then by the time you get to the office and you see a document on your desk or you get an email in your account, that could be the thing that just turns you off. So you have to stay prayed up. Because one thing, one situation, one person, one issue will cause you to default back, amen, to that old man. The Bible says there's a battle going on, amen, between the flesh and the spirit, amen. Don't act all sanctified up in here today because you all got some flesh. Come on, if I push the the right button, you'll act up too. If I open up your closet, you got some skeletons in there, amen. Lord, like you've been saved all your life, amen. Like you've been baptized in prune juice. Come on, put a smile on your face. Looking all serious and dignified. Amen. God is a good God. His grace is new to us every morning. So we must shift in 
prayer. Then after we shift, amen, in prayer, amen, Pastor Egger came last week and he just rocked the house, amen. He just, amen, dropped it like it was hot for Jesus, amen. And he spoke about the shift, amen, in our experience. He spoke about the I am revelation. And in that message, he began to share about the life of Moses, amen, and how Moses, amen, got a revelation of who God really was, that he was I am that I am, amen. He is the God, amen, who keeps his promises, amen. He, he, he is the God, amen, who, who would go with us, amen. He will be with us, and he is a God, amen, that, that, that would take us all the way in our relationship and our experience with him. And so last week I said, well, I guess that's all of the shifting that we're going to do, amen, for, for, for this month. We had a great community care celebration. Many of you came out and many of you have participated in that event, amen. We were able to service over 200 um, 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 children, and that was a blessing, amen. Give God praise for that, amen. People are still talking about the event. I still see flies up. Just like, did this happen already? I said, yeah, it happened last week. Like, oh, man, I'm getting calls at the office. You got any more backpacks left? I said, they wiped us out on Saturday. I said, we have nothing left. Amen. But God was so good. But I thought that was the end of the shifting. And God said, nah, 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 nah. I'm like, Lord, Lord, up to Friday. I'm like, Lord, when am I going to preach? I said, it's back on me again. The baton is back in my hand. What do you want me to share with your people? Because I take this thing seriously. Amen. I don't just get up and say, oh, I'm going to preach today. Okay. All right, Micah 6, the Lord's case against Israel. I, I don't do that. You got some preachers that do that. Or they go online and say, let me find up a message that someone else preached, and then let me just regurgitate that and just preach that. That's not, no, I want a word from the Lord. I believe that when you come to God's house, there needs to be a rhema word, a fresh word, amen, in the house to speak to your situation. Because our situations change every week. We need to hear a word from God, amen. And so as... At, on, on, Friday, on Friday, I was in my office working, amen, my, my assistant Monique had left, and my wife had came by, and so my wife, me and my wife, we always do this preaching thing back and forth with each other. When we read a scripture, we just get excited, and she's like, Pastor, the Lord is saying, and I'm like, yes, honey, but what about this scripture? We just preach back and forth. Come on, that's how we sharpen our skill, amen? And so we preach back and forth, whatever, so now we preach ourselves, and we, hallelujah, glory. And so she said, God is going to shift us even in our time. <laughs> she said, God's going to shift us in our time. I said, that's it. That's the message I want to preach, a shift in time. And she's like, okay. She just said, like, okay. I'm like, that's it. It's like, when I heard that, it was a click in my heart and my spirit, and I knew that's what God wanted to share. And so not realizing, sometimes as you study scripture and you're having your morning devotions with the Lord, amen, you're not just doing God on the run. Amen. You're not just reading a daily bread and thinks that's your devotion. Amen. All right. You just not just pick a little scripture out, a little, uh, a little honey in a rock thing and say, oh, that's my. No, your devotion is me. You are devoting time, resource to him. How can God be the most important thing in your life and you have no time spent with him? Come on. You need more than just a Sunday and more than even just a Bible study. If I could get some of you out to come to that. Okay. Let me hear myself. And so as I was preparing for this message, I realized that over the course of a few months, God had already been dealing with my heart about time. Because that's been something that God's been dealing with me personally about, about balancing time and understanding time. And what is time? 
And so today we're going to talk about shifting in time. How does God want to shift in time? And if you are here under the sound of my voice or you're listening online, amen, this morning, amen, this message is for you. Amen. I believe, I don't, I don't believe in deja vu. I don't believe this stuff happens. I believe in divine purpose. And God divinely orchestrated that you will hear this word under the sound of my voice this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 15. Amen. If we can pull it up on the projector, that would be good too. The New International Version I'll be reading from. Amen. When you have it, let's stand for the ring of God's word. Amen. Let's honor his word today. Hallelujah. We have it say amen. Ephesians chapter 5. 5 verse 15. I said that too quick. Let me slow it down. Like, Pastor, you're speaking heresy. Ain't no chapter 15. That's a new book. Turn to the book of Hezekiah. I, one time I did that on a Sunday. I said, turn to the book of Hezekiah. Everybody looking. There ain't no book of Hezekiah. <laughs> but Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Here begins the reading of God's word. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Let me see that scripture again, real short. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Father in heaven, bless this word as we will share it this morning. I decrease that you might, oh God, increase, Lord. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O oh Lord, my redeemer and strength. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. A shift in time, a shift in time, making the most, if I would, if I would put a, 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 a subtopic, Making the most of every opportunity. I guarantee you want to take notes today because I have a lot of information I'm, I'm going to go through. Amen. I hope I am able to get through it by the grace of God. But you will want to take notes or, or get the CD or listen, listen to it online later this week. Amen. Making the most of every opportunity. There was a story, amen, of this gentleman Amen. Who had this bank account. And in his bank account, the bank said to him, sir, we're going to give you $86,400 every day. He said, what? He said, yes, sir. We're going to credit your account $86,400 every day. But here's the catch. Here's the catch. Here's the catch. You must use all of the money by the end of the day. There will, there will be no carrying of a balance. So $86,400 must be spent by the end of the day. And whatever you, whatever you don't spend, amen, you just lose. And the next day, 
you'll get another $86,400. He was so excited just to get that in, in his account. He said, man, I wish other people could get this type of credit that I'm getting, man. This is, this, this is awesome. $86,400. Woo! He said, I wish everyone could get this. And then he began to think, and the Lord spoke to him. He said, everybody does get that credit every day. Everybody does get that credit. Don't you know you get 86,400 seconds every day? Every one of us gets 86,400 seconds every day. I can't take away a second. I can't add a second. We get that credit every day. And, and time is more valuable. It's more precious than money. It's our greatest commodity, but yet we waste it. Yet, we, we don't capitalize on our time. Many of us, were wasting time. See, time is not like, you know, um, you remember the old singular commercials with the rollover minutes? There's no rollover minutes with time. Whatever that I don't use, it'll just add on to the next day. And then whatever I don't use the next day, it'll just keep multiplying. It doesn't work like that. Whatever time that we have, the 86 1,400 seconds, amen, is all that we have daily that God credits, amen, to our time bank account. The Bible says tomorrow is not promised to any man, amen, but we look for it till tomorrow because of his grace, amen. That's why we sing, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies we see. He didn't have to give us today. He didn't have to give us today, but he gave it to us. Because it's his gift of time, that's why we call it the present. Because it is a present. Amen? So God, amen, gives us time every day. But what are we doing with the time that he is giving us? In the movie Rent, they sing a song, 525,600 minutes. How do you measure, measure a year? You know, and, and, and we've seen this song, but we think about it. How do we measure the year? How do we spend our time? How do we measure that 525,600 minutes? What do we do with the time that God has given us? We're going to answer five questions today that I think that we should all be asking God and asking ourselves, how do we deal with time? Because I think sometimes as Christians we get thrown off because of what we have learned from our culture and what we have learned from our family. We all have, our, we all have two suitcases we bring to church every day. We bring our culture bag, how we were raised. Amen. If I make my macaroni and cheese with breadcrumbs, you don't make your macaroni and cheese with breadcrumbs because that's the way your mama made it. And I made my macaroni and cheese with, with breadcrumbs because that's the way my grandmama made it. Don't you tell me that we can't make it that way because that's the way we grew up making it. Because we all bring our baggage from our family. And then we bring our cultural baggage. Amen. I got some island folk in the house today. Amen. Yes, yes. Amen. I got some southern folk in the house today. Amen. I got people of different cultures because we bring our culture to church. But see, as we look at time, we all, all our culture is insane. All of our family's baggage is insane. There's, there's some type of sin in there. Now, there are good things that we take from the culture, obviously, and there are good things that we take from our family. Amen? But it doesn't mean that everything that we bring is right. 
Amen. And so when it comes to time, many times we, we see time from the perspective of those two lenses, from the culture and from our family, and we don't really see clearly from God's perspective. So the first question we have to ask ourselves, how does God view our time? How does God view our time? Amen? God sees our time in three perspectives. Amen? He sees time, period, in three perspectives. Amen? He sees the past. Everybody said the past. Amen? He sees the future. Everybody sees the Everybody say future. And he sees the present. Amen? Everybody say present. Amen. What a gift. And so God sees time in three perspectives. He says to, he says to look in the past because the past is a place where we ought to remember. If you were to study your Bible and, and look up every time he said remembering, remembering is always dealing with the past. He said remember, he, he, he said remember your creator in the days of your youth. Amen. He, he, he talks about, behold, I do a new thing. He said, forget the former things. In other words, there's a remembering. There is a memorial. Also, we look at the past because we grieve our losses. There are things that God has told us to let go, and we have to let it go from the past. And so when we look at the past, amen, we look at it at a, at, as a state of remembering, as a state of memorial, memorial of, of the things that he has done, maybe loved ones we have lost, experiences that we have had, amen, but we don't live in the past. Some of us get stuck there. That's why we can't go to the future. We can't live in the present, but we're stuck in the past. The past is just to remember, but to also let it go, amen. And then we have, amen, our future. God sees the perspective of looking in our future, amen. One of the prophets says, I see you somewhere in the future, and you look much better than you do right now because God has a brighter future for you. You cannot let your present-day circumstance dictate or define what your future is going to look like. Amen? I bet Barack Obama, when he was a young child, he did not think I would be the president of the United States someday in, in, in the future. That was not probably his plan. Amen? But God determines our destiny. And if we work hard, if we're fervent, amen, he will open up opportunities for us that will blow our mind. So when we look at the future, we look with hope and we look with anticipation. Amen? Because truly the future is unknown. I don't care how many goals, how much vision, how much stuff you have, the future is unknown. Amen? Who, who, who's, to say that you, who's to say you're going to be walking 10 years from now? Who said you're going to be alive 10 years from now? We don't know the future, but we know God. And so when we look at the future, we have to look at the future with hope and anticipation. And then right between the past and, 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 and the future, we have what we call the present. Amen? This is that now moment. This is right now as we're speaking. Amen? We are to live in the present it's God's gift to us. This is the moment, this is the pivotal time when we make our decisions that transition us from our past and position us to our future. Somebody say amen. Amen. So God wants us to live and plant our feet firmly in the present. See, the problem is we either stuck in the past 
and we can't move nowhere, or we're so future-minded that we don't enjoy the present. Okay? We're so stuck up either in the past, we, and we don't live in the present, or we're so future-minded, so goal-minded, that we can't enjoy the present. What I mean, well, we, we, we say things like this, when, when I get there, then, then I'll celebrate. When I get to this goal, then I'll do this. When I get here, then I'll arrive. And that never happens. You keep pushing the bar, pushing the bar, pushing the bar, and you don't enjoy your season. You don't enjoy the now moment. You don't enjoy the present. God wants us to enjoy the present. He wants you to put your feet firmly. Everybody stomp. Come on, stomp. Firmly in the present. This is your now moment. He said now faith is the substance. Now faith. You have to believe now. You have to act now. The Lord's Prayer said give us this day, right now. Jesus is not worrying about tomorrow. Tomorrow has its own worries. Focus on today. We have to live in the present because it's God's gift to us. What we do now determines what the future will look like. Not what we do in the future determines what the present will look like. God wants us, amen, and he views our time, amen, in the past and the present and in the future. Job was counting his losses in Job chapter 121, and he was grieving his past. He said, the Lord give it, and the Lord take it away. He's thinking about, I lost my children. My wife is acting up because she told me to curse God and die, and my friend's thinking that I sinned, and I'm thinking about the Lord giveth. He gave me all that cattle on a thousand hills. He, he blessed me. The Lord giveth. But then he took it away. But then he says in his present time, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's the mindset you have to have. If you lost it, it wasn't meant for you to have anyway. So many times God would do, God would do more with less. I don't care what you lost in your last season. That's a word for someone right now. I don't care what you lost in your last season. It's not for you to have in this season. God will do more with your less because less is more. Okay? Less is more. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But your mindset this morning has to be blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen? That's how God views our time. Now, how does God divide our time? This is the second question. How does he divide time? Well, we have different cycles and different seasons that deal with the concept of time. Amen? We have the 24-hour cycle, amen, that deals with time. Amen? We know that at 12 midnight marks the era of a new day while man was to sleep, or like I was last night up to 4 o'clock this morning because I was having some type of reggae party above my head. And I heard it was doom, 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 doom. I was like, all right, doom, doom. All right. Oh, geez, I got to preach in them. All right, let me do Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You know, you know, out my door, there's weed and stuff. I'm like, I'm about to get the Bible and stop preaching out here. I'll clear this porch off in a minute. And I'm just like, Lord, help me. But how does God divide our time in a 24-hour cycle? And but we have a seasonal cycle. Amen? And some cultures just have a wet and a dry season. We're blessed to have four seasons. Amen? We have the summer we're in now. We're about to go to the fall. Amen? The winter. Ooh, oh. And then we have the spring. Amen? And we have summer all over again. So there is a cycle 
of time. Amen? When God looks at our present time, we talked about he, 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 he views it past, present, future. When he looks at the present, he looks at the present from a weekly cycle. Your present is not just today, but it's what you're doing for, the, for a span of seven days. Now, God's cycle or his rhythm as it pertains to your present time, amen, is broken up in a, a great mathematical equation. I call it the six plus one equation. Six days of work, one day of rest. Six, six days, amen, of productivity, of fruitfulness, one day of being unproductive and being unfruitful and regrouping and resting. The problem that we have in our culture, in our society, is that we work like dogs. Amen? Now, let me tell you something. God has, has given man a burden to work. Amen? Because of the fall, he has made us all to work. Amen? We just can't sit back in the Garden of Eden and just eat fruit all day and look up in the sky and say, oh, my. We have to work. Amen? We have to have Amen. A job. Amen. And if you're not employed, amen, I'll pray for you and God will provide something for you. But there's always something that you need to do. Amen. There's always some level of fruitfulness and productivity that you can be doing. Amen. You're going, some of your students are going to school. That's work. That's productivity. You're building yourself up for your future. And so when God looks, amen, at our present, he sees six days of work, six days of us being productive. Now, the reason that God has given us work, work is to humble us. You work because work, amen, works out the pride in us. Stop quiet here. When God assigns us a job, amen, your job is an assignment. I'm not just talking about being a, a wife and a husband. I'm talking about your job, the thing that, you know, you, you, you go to work on Monday. Some of you are like, woo, I'm going to work. Some of you are like, oh, God, I can't. That, that, that place. God assigned that to you. And know why he does that? You want to know why he gives you work? Work works out the pride in you. It causes you to be dependent on him. It does. Because there's times that... For me, as a pastor, I'm like, Lord, I'm like preaching this morning. I, won't, I just want to stay in the bed. Mother, it's true. This morning, that way I'm like, Lord, can my wife do it this morning? And I need to call Diane to come and preach or something. I, I, I just don't want to do it this morning. I'm tired, Lord. I'm burnt. And I said, okay, Lord, it's, it's working out this pride in me because I, I, the key word, I don't want to do it. But you can do it through me if I availing you of myself. And that's the mindset you need to have about your job. Some of you don't like your job. Amen? You don't like it. You liked it in the beginning because it was something new, something exciting. But now the zeal, the passion is gone, and you're just doing your duty. I'm just trying to make ends meet. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. 
and I'm just just doing it. You know, it's autom- everything is automatic. You know, every morning you wake up at 5, you hit the snooze, you wake up back again at 5.15, you hit the snooze one more time, 5.30 come, then you say, okay, I got to get out, I got to go in the shower, because I got to wake myself up, all right? You wake yourself up, and then you said, okay, Lord, thank you. You brush your teeth, and you do all that. You get your breakfast together. You say, okay, I got a 15 minutes. Let me do my prayer. Okay, I read my little daily devotion. I look over my message notes from last Sunday, and I read that. Okay, that's nice. Then I get in my car, kiss my wife, pet the dog, take the kids to school, and then I go to work. And it's the same thing over and over. It's mundane, and it's boring. There's no excitement. There's no anticipation. It's not, woo, what, what are we going to conquer today? It's none of that. Because we have lost our perspective for our jobs. First of all, you need to thank God that you got a job. Because if you didn't have a job, amen, you could be, you could be where you are right now. Amen, you got them nice-looking clothes on. Amen, a job paid for that. Come on. You got health insurance when something go wrong. Your job paid for that. You got a pension, a, a 401K, a 403B, whatever you call it. Amen. Your job is paying for that. Amen. You need to thank God that you have a job because many people don't got jobs in this time. I don't care if you work part-time. I don't care care what you're doing. At least you got something. And if you let God get in the the midst of that job, he'll change your heart. Some of us, I know we, we, we don't like our bosses because they're such, I can't say the word, but we don't like our bosses. We don't like certain people. They, they, they get on our nerves, and we just get irritated and stuff. My mindset when I go to work is, God, you're my boss. And if I, if I work for you, I don't need to worry about all these, all these other people, these mere mortals. Amen? Because if my, if my striving is to please you, then what I do, it come, my, my, my excellence comes from you, and I work as unto you. I could care less about my boss. I don't care less about he's gay. I don't care less about his barbecue last weekend. I don't care less about all that stuff. I don't care because I'm here because you put me here. Because this is my influence. This is my circle. I'm getting ahead of myself. This, this is where you have me at. And so I'm going to be, I'm, I'm, I'm planted here to be productive. I'm planted here to be productive. You can't be fruitful unless you're planted somewhere. Your roots have to be in soil. You have to be planted here. So God divides our time. Amen. Six plus one. Six plus one. Amen. Six plus one is seven. Amen. Question I have for you, when's your Sabbath day? When's your Sabbath day? I'm not talking about versus Saturday versus Sunday. I'm talking about all that. When's your, when's your day of rest? The Bible said the Sabbath is not for God. The Sabbath is for us. But we need to rest. God has given us a model that we need to follow by. When's your Sabbath day? When's your time when you rest? Because we just working and working and working and working and working and working and working. We're going to burn ourselves out. That's not healthy. Amen? It's not healthy. Now, there might be seasons where you have to really push, and I understand that, but that should not be the norm. If that is the norm, you need to really look at what you do. Something is off. Something is wrong. Something is really wrong. And you're going to put yourself in an early grave if you don't shift. Because you're, you're not going to be able to regroup and recoup and, 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 and to recharge yourself. You have to have a day of rest. Now, what I recommend, 
is that most of us, we don't work on Saturday, so I recommend that on Saturday, on Fridays, excuse me, from 6 p.m. Friday to 6 p.m. Saturday, you take that time as your Sabbath. Amen? You know, that's for, especially for those who are Christian workers. For those who work on Saturday, and let's say today is, is that day for you, amen, to let it start from 6 p.m. Saturday night to 6 p.m. Sunday night. Amen? But you need to have a 24-hour period, amen, when you're just regrouping, recouping. That does not mean you sit there and turn off the life and you just look at yourself and go, oh. No, that, that's, that's not what I mean. I'm not saying become a monk. But I, I, what I am saying is that you need time to regroup. What's the thing that causes you to get energy? Now, part of the Sabbath is, 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 is to devote your time to God. So we, we can't get away from that. All right? We come to church on Sunday because this is, many of us, this is our day, amen, of rest. And so we give that time to God. So we, we understand that. Amen? But you need to have some time when you are refreshing yourself. Because if you're not diverting, amen, or, or withdrawing weekly, excuse me, if you're not withdrawing weekly, then you won't be refreshed for the new week. And that's why, man, you hate your job. Because you don't rest. You need time to unplug. And get yourself together, then plug back in. If you don't do that, it's going to become a bore. It's going to become, you're just going to hate it. You're just going to walk up one day and just quit. I quit. I can't no more. It's over. You know? Why do think people go postal? Come on, them them postal workers were working hard and hard. And then, come on. I have some postal workers here that can tell me. Working hard, 18 hours, just, just going and going and going. And after a while, they just snap. And they just lose it because they're not rested. You have to rest. You have to rest. Six days of productivity and fruitfulness, then one day of rest to recoup yourself. Amen? So that's how God divides our time. How does God process time? How does God process time? We learn how he viewed it, how he divided it. Now how does he process it? How are we supposed to live out our time? Many times as Christians, amen, again, we talked about that, that cultural baggage that we bring, and we talked about the family baggage that we bring. So we see things through different lenses when it comes to time. And what we see in our culture today, especially for, especially of us who, who, who live here in the United States of America, there's, all, there's automatically a division of time. And we have what we call the secular versus the sacred. We have secular time, that we call it, and we have sacred time. Secular time is everything that we do that's not pertaining to God. Our sacred time is the time when we come to church, the time we come to Bible study, we do a church event, or the time that we pray in the morning. That's our sacred time. And there is a division in what we do versus the sacred versus the secular. And our mindset, we, 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 we take on this mindset or this ideology of that God cares about the sacred time, but in my secular time, my secular time, this is my time that God doesn't really care about. He doesn't care that I'm at work and I'm sweeping floors and then I'm doing this and I'm typing on the computer and, and giving emails because that's the secular time. As long as I'm not doing anything that's going, to, that's, that's, going, that's going to disrespect him or, or sin against him. He don't really care about that. 
It's not when I do something wrong that he cares about the wrong that I did, but I have my sacred time and I have my secular time. Amen. This is why Christianity is not looked up or looked as just a, a, a culture. It's looked at only as a religion. And when you come with people from other faiths like Muslims or our Jewish brethren, it's not just a religion. It's a culture for them because there is no division between the sacred and the secular. We as Christians have bought into the lie that we have our God time and that we have our me time, that we do everything else. That is an unbiblical world view. That's a cultural view. That's a view that we have bought, bought into that's a lie from the pit of hell. We have Christianized everything. We have counseling and then we have Christian counseling. And then we have secular music and we have sacred music. Everything is just a shift. We have bookstores, and then we have Christian bookstores. We have education, and then we have Christian education. We have divided up everything, and that's not the way God intended for it to be. All your time is sacred. Everything is sacred. Everything is sacred. Everything. I don't care if you go to the bathroom. Everything, every time. It's sacred. Come on, you can't go to the bathroom without him. And have our being. Thank you, Sister Diane. Amen. And so there is no off-the-clock. The secular time is like our off-the-clock time. There is no off-the-clock time with God. Now let's see from a biblical perspective. Jesus paints it out like this. He doesn't paint out a secular versus sacred. Jesus said there are two kingdoms. They are overlapping in time. It's the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. He says that's what we're looking at. Are you living, are you spending your time as a citizen of the kingdom of light, which is God's kingdom, or are you spending your time in the kingdom of darkness, which is Satan's kingdom? That's how God looks at time. What are you most investing yourself into? There's no division between church and state in God. And if you read the Constitution, they got that, they interpret that the wrong way. We are living our time in Him, and through Him, and by Him. Everything that we have, every minute, every second, every 86,400 seconds, every day, Amen. It's a day that we need to live and invest ourselves to be citizens of the light. That's how he wants us to live. We are citizens of God's kingdom. Psalms 86.11 says that, he, that, that, that David prayed that God would give me an undivided heart. See, the problem is, when we come to Jesus Christ, if we are not daily connecting with God, just because you said a sinner's prayer, you say I'm saved, don't mean you saved every day. Because I can say I'm a Christian and I can act a fool tomorrow. See, every day I must make a choice to do it God's way. There's always a plate placed, a plate placed before you every morning. That plate is either you're going to do it God's way or your way. That's the choice that you've given every morning. Which perspective are you going to do it? Which perspective are you going to operate in? That's why Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, be ye transformed by, renewing, by the renewal of your mind. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't do it the way the world does it. Do it the way God has orchestrated for it to be. 
If I'm a citizen of God's kingdom, that I'm living out my time with an undivided heart. Amen. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not two-faced. I'm not on this side on Monday. And then Saturday I'm in the darkness because I'm in the club. Hey, oh, and I'm in church on Sunday. Hey, hey, praise the Lord. There's no division. Because everything that I do is in him. I live my time. I'm focusing and doing everything because I'm a citizen of God's kingdom. I have an undivided heart. My heart is focused. Are you getting this this morning? Say amen. Amen. So we have an undivided heart. We're, We're not doing one thing and then we're doing another thing. God doesn't like that. Amen. He says your balance is off when you do that. When your balance is off, God says he doesn't like that because then he'll start dropping weights on the scale and you'll just fly off somewhere. Amen. The Lord weighs the scale down. Amen. And when you're not in grace, you don't want him to weigh his stuff against you. Amen. Because he'll drop all his judgments, all your sin, all your stuff, and and you'll fly off. But when he drops grace and mercy and the blood on you, able to stand the test of time because you're covered by him. Amen? God, now, now check this out. When talk about how does God process your time, God is concerned about, amen, your time. Say that. God is concerned about your time. Tell your neighbor this. The neighbor, God is concerned about your time. Amen. Tell your neighbor, wake up. Wake up. Shake him. Wake up. Amen. Praise God. God is concerned about your time. Almost done. Amen. Amen. God's concerned about your time. Now, here are the areas that God is concerned about when it comes to time. And many Christians, we don't know this. And so the Bible says we, we, we perish for lack of knowledge. Amen. So I'm going to give you some knowledge today of how each and every one of you need to look at your life from these dimensions. God cares about your body. Everybody say your body. Amen. He cares about your physical appearance. Amen. That's been my goal this year. Amen. This summer, I said, I'm working on the body. My wife, amen, got me a gym membership. I said, I'm losing it. Today is my first time wearing this suit. I couldn't wear this suit, amen, six months ago. Amen. I couldn't even hardly close it. And praise by the grace of God. Amen. I can close it. Amen. I got, I got space, you know, on my way because God cares about your body. Amen. I eat wheat bread. Oh, God, I didn't think I would ever do that. Amen. I eat organic stuff. I didn't even think I'd do that. But God would transition you. Amen. God, God would transition you, and he will help you because he cares about your body. I can be an effective pastor, okay, if I drop dead at 40. I can't. You know, we have pastors that are unhealthy. You know, we got everything else in check but our bodies. Amen. And God wants us to have healthy bodies. And I know I got a journey ahead of me, but I'm willing to take the journey. It took me a journey to get here. It's going to take me a journey to get back where I need to be. And so I don't care where you are in terms of your physical body. You need to get your rest. You need to eat properly. You need to do these things. But you do it because God cares about your body. Amen. Walking up the steps don't hurt. Come on. Come on. Changing your meal don't hurt. Instead of having soda with every dinner, drink some water. Amen. Come on. You know, I have to get some of y'all religion. Water, the devil's alive. I don't like no water. You could drink some water. Water is good for you. Some of, the, some of us, when we're hungry, not really hungry, we're thirsty. 
Come on. You, you think you're feeling hunger pain? It's really thirst. Because you have accustomed yourself to always feed it and, and, and not to quench the thirst inside. That could be turned spiritually. I don't even go there. Okay. Body. <laughs> we have our body that God cares about. Next thing. Say mental. Amen. God cares about your thinking capacity. He cares about how you think, how you function. Amen. God, like I said, God gives you a choice every day. He gives you a, a choice or a thinking capacity for you to make a decision. Amen. So that's what he cares about. Your body, your mental. Everybody say emotional. God cares about your feeling. If you are emotionally unstable, you are not healthy. If someone looks at you the wrong way, you get, what you looking at? You got some emotional issue. If you always wear your feelings on your sleeves, okay, you got some emotional issues. God wants to help you work through that stuff. Amen? The whole world don't need to evolve around you. It don't need to evolve around you. It's not about what you want and how you want it. And what you want, I don't care how much money you got, I don't care who your mom is, I don't care what you dress like, it don't involve around you. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I didn't see your name in there anywhere. It's God's time. Amen? It's not your time. And so God cares about your emotional. Everybody says spiritual. He cares about your spiritual aspect. That is your relationship with God. And everybody says social. He cares about your social, which is your relationship with man and others. Now, the last two, which are our relational aspects, relationship with God and relationship with people, we aim all that we do in our body, in our mind, in our emotions, in our spirit life to love God and to love others. That's how we're supposed to spend our time, in loving God and loving others. That's what we do. That's how we're supposed to divide our time on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. What did Jesus say? He said the greatest commandment. Amen. He said, love your neighbor as your? Amen. So if you're loving yourself, you can love your neighbor. Some of you can't love your neighbors because you don't love yourself. And if you have a poor view of yourself, then you're going to have a poor view of your neighbor. Because you have to love your neighbors as you love yourself. We aim all to loving God, amen, and loving others or people. Citizens of the kingdom of light aim all towards loving God and loving others. This is how we should live in contrast to those who are living in darkness. This is why in, in, in Ephesians, as we read earlier, we talked about making the most of every opportunity. He says in verse 8, for you were once for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitful deeds of darkness. Our time is supposed to be productive. It's supposed to be healthy. It's supposed to be fruitful because we're doing everything in our energy to live as children of the light. Now, the next question, and we got two more, four and five, number four. How do we live this out? How do we live out our time? 
I'm going to go through this quickly. How do we live out our time? We live in two circles. Everybody said two circles. Amen. I wish I had a bulletin board because I would draw it out for you. We live in two circles. The first circle is called responsibility. Responsibility. The second circle is called influence. Influence. Is this helping someone today? First one is responsibility. The second one is influence. Responsibilities are your roles and your goals. It's the roles that you play. I'm a husband. That is a role. I'm a pastor. That is a role. These are my responsibilities that are assigned to me by God in this season of my life. God has given each and every you a role that he has assigned to you in this season of your life. That is your responsibility. That is the circle in which you live in. Amen? It's the hatch that you have. It's the goals that you have. Those are your responsibilities. Some of you are trying to go back and get that degree. Some of you want to get a better job. That's your role. That's your job. That, that's the things that you are responsible for. In other words, we get before heaven, before the Lord in heaven, and he says, this is what I've given you. You said, Lord, this is what I've been responsible for. He can hold you accountable for your responsibilities, for the assignments that he's given you in every season of your life. With every season that shifts in your life, so does your responsibilities. Amen? The second circle we have, it's called influence. Everybody say influence. Amen. Influence, amen, is the people who you influence around you. That's a broad spectrum. Influence is the people you influence in your home, your wife, your kids, on your job, your co-worker, the people you see at the bank every time you go cash your check, your neighbors across the hall from you. That coworker that's always chit-chatting with you that don't want to shut up and she's trying to stop you from doing your job, but you're trying to get work done and you wish you would just go somewhere, but you just say hi because you're trying to be polite anyway. That person. You have influence. Now, influence are the people you are responsible to, not for. I'm not responsible for my wife. I'm responsible to my wife. God's not going to hold me accountable for my wife's decisions. But he's going to hold me responsible to her, amen, to give her wisdom, to cover her, to be that husband, amen. He's going to hold me responsible for sharing my faith with my children so I can raise up a godly seed. He's going to hold me responsible, amen, to be a child of the light around those who I interfere with on a daily basis. God wants me to have influence. So, my, so the things I'm responsible to are my roles and my goals, and the things I'm responsible, I mean, responsible for, I mean, are my roles and my goals, and the things I'm responsible to is the people who I have around me, my influence, my circle of influence. Some of you need to step up your influence because you're too quiet. You're weak. When it comes to Jesus and Christ and religion and stuff, you don't want to say nothing because you're afraid, okay, I might mess up my promotion. It might mess up me really having a good perspective. It might see me as one of the religious nuts and all this different type of thing. You need to be bold for Jesus. These are the last days. You will hate to see those people that you see every morning in heaven and find out that they can't get in because they'll be saying to you, you never told me. That's real, ladies and gentlemen. That's real. So check your influence. See those who are around.
around you. Now, you can block this by being disobedient if you want to. But God wants you to focus on him. He wants you to be obedient. And last but not least, how do we balance our time? How do we balance our time? We heard all this stuff about time. God wants us to shift in our time. But how do we balance our time? I know this is not a jumping hallelujah, great, you know, woo-woo-woo message. I know this is sobering because we, we need to get this. Sometimes we jump and shout so much and we have all fluff, but then by the time Monday comes, we got no power. Amen. It got quiet in here because I'm telling the truth. Time management is life management. Time management is life management. Some of you are not acquiring the goals that you have because you don't know how to manage your time. I can look at what you do for the next seven days and, and, and tell you if you're going to get to your goal or not. Because some of you are, good, you are so good at talking. You, ooh, you're so convinced. You could be a salesperson. You could be a political figure. You're so good. But when it comes down to action and application, you don't got it. You don't got the stuff. You profession a lot, but you ain't doing nothing because you're wasting time. You're wasting time. Some of you are supposed to help own homes by now. Homes with a test. Yes, I said homes. Some of you, 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 you're supposed to have a degree by now, but you're procrastinating. You're wasting time. And then you got the nerve to get upset with God because he's not moving as fast as you think he should move because you're not moving. Faith without works is dead. You have to add some feet to your faith and get moving. It's one thing just having faith, but i got to work my faith to get what God has for me. It's not something I'm just going to sit there and just wait for it to drop in my hand. Woof, okay, there it is. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. It doesn't work like that. You have to work at it. And it, and it deals with time management being life management. You have to manage your life. Now, for me, as a pastor, it's very challenging for me when it comes to time management. For some of you, you get up and you do the same regimen every day. But as a pastor, I don't do that. So I need a little help in managing my time. Because on Monday, I might work and do A, B, and C. And then on Tuesday, I only work half the day and do B, C, D. And then on Thursday, I'm working the whole day. And I come home to 11 o'clock at night. And then it's just constantly shifting, 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 shifting. And then here I am on the weekends, and I have to do this and do that and do that. And it's, it's just a lot. So I have to work at balancing out my time. Some of you don't have regular work schedules, and you keep getting off cycle because you have no cycle. But if you really understand the principles that are at work and how to really manage your time, you'll be better and you'll get further along. And you will be productive and you will be fruitful. Some of you say, man, I wish I had some more money. I wish I had some more cash. You know, I wish I could do this and do that. You can do those things if you manage your time properly. You could. Time is more valuable than money, but if you work your time, you'll get some money. Time management is life management. How, does, how, how do we balance our time? Stephen Covey gave the principle of the four quadrants. And I wish I could, again, I wish I could draw this for you. Four quadrants. Draw a big plus down on your paper. Quadrant one, he talks about 
those things that are urgent and those things that are important. We know that everything that's urgent is not important. And everything that's important is not necessarily urgent. So that's the first quadrant. Everything that's urgent and everything that's important. Quadrant two. He talks about everything that's not urgent, but everything is important. So in other words, I'm focusing on the things that are important and things that are urgent. I'm not going to put it in that particular box. The third box of the quadrant, he talks about things that come across you that are urgent, but they're not really important. For instance, someone emails me, rings my cell phone. Did you get my email? I called you an hour ago. I emailed you an hour ago. Did you get my email? I'm like, no, I don't live in front of my email 24-7 days a week. But check my email. It's really, it's, it's really urgent. It's really important. It might be urgent for that person, but it's not urgent for me. You understand what I'm saying? So people might come to you with something being urgent for them, but it's not urgent for you. And you cannot allow their urgency to throw off your cycle. I hope someone got that. That, that was a nugget for somebody. Let me go back. Play the tapes. Okay. When you, amen, are dealing with people, people will come to you as if things are urgent. Did you do this for me, brother? Did you do this? I need you to do this. I need you to get this done. And it's urgent for them. But it's not important to you what's urgent for them. And so what we do is we allow things, the urgent things, to throw us off of our balance, off of our order. We allow to disrupt our work. Some has kids, mommy, mommy, daddy, I need you to do this, daddy. Okay, that's not urgent right now. That's, that, that's urgent to you, but it's, it's, it's not urgent to me. We're, just relax. Because what will happen, it will throw you off of your order. There's times in the past I'm studying Sudden, people call me, Pastor, I need this, Pastor, I need that. And I was like, okay, let me do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And then two hours later go by, and I still didn't get done my study time. Because I allow their things that are urgent, but they're not important to me. They're urgent to you, they're important to you, but it's not important to me. So that's what goes into that third box. The fourth box is things that are not urgent, things that are not important. To you now. To you. There's just some things you don't need to pay attention to. Some things you just need to just avoid, just, just get away from. And so you say to yourself, well, Pastor, this is good what you're saying. You've been speaking a long time today. I'm ready to go home. But here, let, 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 let's, let, let me give you the clothes then. Okay. So, Pastor, how do you divide your time then? If, 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 if the first box is saying, okay, okay, all the things are urgent, all the things are important, and see, this is what we do as, as people sometimes, especially as ministers. Everything's urgent. Everything's important. We confuse the two. And so we work ourselves to death over the urgent and important thing. We put that stuff in the same box. We kill ourselves. And then we burn out. And then we go all the way down to the fourth quadrant where nothing's important and nothing's urgent because we tired. I had it. I don't want to deal with that no more. I'm taking a break. Because it's just too much for me. And so we're not fruitful and we're not productive and we're wasting our 86,400 seconds. And nothing happens. See, God wants you to be fruitful, but you have to understand how to manage your time. You need a compass. A compass, compass helps you to maneuver your directions you get where you need to go. 
What are the things that help us to understand our time, Pastor? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Well, we have to look at what your core values are. What are your core values? What are the things that are near and dear to your heart? What are the things that, 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 that describe who you are as an individual? What are the things that God has put in your heart that are non-negotiable? My non-negotiable, every Friday at 7 o'clock, don't call me. I'm not answering the phone. I'm not answering the phone. All right, Pastor, you're so rude. Why are you not answering the phone? Because that's me and my wife's time. That's my date night. I am going away. I'm going to spend time with my wife. Thank you, brother. I'm going to spend time with my wife. Don't call me. Well, someone's dying. Call Pastor Ezra. My wife is my first ministry. She's my, first ministry so, she's my first ministry so much that when I married her, I described in her wedding band my ministry so I wouldn't forget. My wife, is my, my pastoral ministry comes out of my marriage. No, Pastor, if you call, you call. No, 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 no. If things are not right between the mister and the mister, it's going to spread like wildfire in this church. If we have strife and contention, it can't work. That's why we're, that's why we're pastors divorced their wives. Many times the first thing you got to get on out because it's not going to work out. If we're not at peace with each other, ain't going to be no peace in the house. I don't care how much we smile and hallelujah and thank you, Jesus, and praise the Lord. You're going to know something's wrong with mama and daddy. And it's nothing like being a church but something wrong with mommy and daddy. Because children know there's something going on with mommy and daddy. Okay? I remember, I remember about, it, about two years ago, my wife and I was driving. And we were, I think we were tickering about something, about driving. I was like, honey, make her right here. Oh, my God. And I think I had, I think I had um, Sister Deb in the back. And she's like, Pastor and Pastor. She said, y'all need to get away on a vacation. Y'all stressed. Y'all sickling too much. Y'all tired. I said, you know what? You're right. And we went on vacation. We came back. She said, man, I can put the anointing off y'all. Woo! What did God do? I said, we just relaxed. Because God was teaching me you have to rest. Because when you, when you don't rest, you know what happens? You get edgy. You get irritable. Things that normally don't bother you just get on your last nerve. And you just want to take somebody's head off. <laughs> Let somebody call me with one more issue. I'll pray for them, all right? I'll get the order, I'll lay hands and catch that demon out. Come on. Yeah, I'm ready. But we need the compass for life to help us. We need to have a vision. We need to have a mission. We need to have goal. You have to count the cost of time. Jesus said count your cost. You have to count your cost. Count your cost. What's important to you? You know what we do? And I was guilty for this. Okay, we make our schedule for the week, and we say, okay, one-hour business meeting. And so we say, oh, it's going to be an hour. But in actuality, it's going to be four hours because I need two hours to prep for the meeting. The meeting never goes an hour. It's always two hours. And then I need, like, another hour to just to, to prep afterwards. And so you really have to look at your time from a, real, a realistic perspective. In terms of your preparation for the thing that you have planned and what you need to do afterwards, after you do what you do. 
If you really count the cost of time, then, you will, then you'll be able to manage your time and manage your life more effectively. We want to pray. But time is precious. Time is precious. Time is precious. Time is really precious. If I could break time down into a acrostic, I would say T is for treasure. Your time represents where your treasure is. I could look at your schedule and tell you where your treasure is. I could tell if it's the TV, if it's the Internet, if it was on YouTube and Facebook. I could tell if it's your job because you're always working long hours, you're never home with your wife. I can tell if it's your family, if you're always devoting yourself to family time. If you show me your schedule for a whole week, I can show you where your heart is, where your treasure is. Time, T for treasure. I, for invest. I must invest time. I must make an investment in my time. I can save money, but I can't save time. I have to invest in my time. M, I have to manage my time. We just read, making the most of every opportunity. Are you maximizing your time? Are you managing your time? And then E is enjoy your time. God wants us to enjoy time. Time is short. We don't have that much time. I look at my life, and you might say, Pastor, you're young. But to me, time is flying by. I remember, I, I, it's like I was, it felt like I was in my 20s yesterday. And a week ago, I was, I was a teenager. Back at Bethlehem, the words left choir, trying to get with this woman here. Time flies. Time waits for no one. And that's why you have to do what God has given you to do. You have to function or, or, or flow in your roles and your goals. If God has a calling on your life, don't sit there and be pretty. Time is not going to wait for no one. If God has called you to do something, I don't know why I'm saying this because I'm trying to close. But if God has called you to do something, get up off your tail and do something. Stop saying, well, next year, next time, it's not right. What she's doing is she's stepping in my place. So you do something with your time. Stop procrastinating. Stop making excuses and do something. You have a goal, man, when I was young, I wish I could start a business. I wish I could, you know, do this and do that. It's never too late. It's never too late. Do something with your time. God wants us to be effective. Let's all stand. Did you receive that today? Amen. You learned something new? Amen. I know it's kind of long, but I had to get this to you. It's very important. It was very important. If you missed something, get the CD or listen to it online and then this week. Because we need to see time from God's perspective. We are wasting our time. We are wasting our credit that's given to us every day. There's no rollover minutes. We have to invest our time wisely every day. Amen? You want to know, know how to do effective spiritual warfare? Spiritual warfare is not just rebuking the devil. Some of you might not understand that. We have a battle against the devil every day. Satan does not want us to win. Spiritual warfare is effectively managing your time. When you up, maybe sometimes when you're up praying and rebuking and binding, you should be sleeping. That's spiritual warfare. If, if, if you focus every aspect of your life 
towards the purpose and the plan of God he has for your life, that's spiritual warfare. See, you never heard that before. You say, oh, I've got to plead the blood and cast out demons and stuff like that. That's nice. Satan just sit right there and let you do all that stuff. And then when you're done, he'll come right back in and continue to do what he did before. But if you structure yourself, if you manage yourself, amen, in your time, that's warfare. That's warfare. Keep your house clean. That's warfare. You do your laundry. That's warfare. You pay your bills. That's warfare. You want to keep the devourer out your house? Pay your bills. The devil trying to sell my home because you ain't paying your bills. My cell phone off. The devil is a liar. You didn't pay your bills. Blaming the devil, you didn't blame yourself. That's warfare. Living an orderly life is warfare against the devil. We could spend less time binding and rebuking and focusing our prayer on the devil where we need to be focusing our prayer on God. If we allow ourselves to be structured in God in the way we're supposed to be, the devil got nothing to do with us. But we live in God's we are, we, we are kingdom of light. What does light have in common with darkness? Nothing. Jesus said, there's nothing of him in me. That's your mindset. There's nothing of that past, of, of what I used to do in me. There's no remnant. There, there, there's nothing left of my past in me because I'm a part of the kingdom of light. And because I'm walking in the light, I'm walking in his word, that's warfare. I'm one force to be reckoned with because I'm walking in God's order. I'm walking in God's purpose. I'm walking in God's plan. I'm walking in God's destiny. I'm not allowing anything to tear me off from my cause because I'm doing it God's way. Lift your hands to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today. We thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, because you want us to shift in our time. Father God, we pray today that you will help us. Help us to understand how you view time. Help us to understand, Lord God, how you divide the time. Help us to understand how you process the time. Help us, Lord God, to understand how to balance our time. Oh, God, and how to live and move in time, God. Father God, well, some of us are really wasting a lot of precious minutes. We're wasting stuff, Lord God. We're not being productive. We're sluggish in the mornings. We can't get up. Our sleep pattern is off. Our circadian rhythm is off. Everything is just going haywire, God. And, and we're up late watching TV. We should be sleeping. And, and then we're up during the day doing things. When we should be done, we were sleeping at night. And it's just confusion. Put us back on track. Put us back on track today, Lord God. Father God, help us to get ourselves in order in line with your plan and with your purpose, Lord. Father, some of our prayer lives are off because our time is off. That's the key why we don't pray, because our time is off. And never seems to be enough time, because we don't plan effectively. So, Father, I pray that you strengthen each and every one of us today. I stand in the need of prayer as well, God. From me on down, God, do it in this house this morning, down to our special guests that are here this morning, Lord. Help us to manage our time, not to waste it, to be more effective. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. God bless you. Come on, give God a praise for that word. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. This is our time to prepare our hearts to give. You can be seated. This is our time to prepare our hearts to give our, our tithes and offerings. Amen. Amen. This is... This is 
This is when we sold back the time that we gave to the world to God. Did you get that? When, you, when you're working, you're sowing that time to the world to get a paycheck. When you get that paycheck, you say, Lord, I'm sowing you now back the time. All the stuff that I worked hard for, here it is. I'm giving you a tenth of it. it actually, it's all yours, so I'm, you just require a tenth. I'm giving it to you, Lord. This is part of my worship. This is my reasonable service. Amen? 